So we put out a call for what sort of topics you want us to cover on this podcast. And one of the questions that came up a few times is how do you create engaging online learning? Well, this is a topic that myself and our guest, Matt Mason, will be tackling today. Hi, I'm Raf Dolanowski, and this is Click Next to Continue. Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of Click Next to Continue. Um, today we will be touching on a topic that comes up quite a lot, uh, which is all about creating engaging online learning. Um, and we also have a guest on the podcast today. We've got Matt Mason with us. Hi, Matt. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, so, uh, Matt, obviously you've been uh, in the learning industry for quite some time. Do you want to just give a bit of an introduction to yourself and your company uh, and I guess what you're about? Yeah, certainly. So I'm Matthew Mason. So I'm the Chief Learning Architect at Superb Learning. Um, we're a digital learning agency that's really helping people take their knowledge and put it online into uh, you know, digital learning resources. Um, I suppose for me that the journey started probably um, a bit over 20 years ago when I sort of yeah, fell into probably like a lot of, a lot of people in, in learning and development, I sort of fell into it. Um, you know, it was a was working in a completely different field. Um, for those that, that don't know, I was actually working in the horse racing industry um, wow. and from there moved into actually working for a registered training organisation um, and then got the task of creating the, uh, the learning resources and that sort of put me on this path of, of becoming a learning designer. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah, so it's certainly been an interesting, interesting journey. Wonderful. Well, it's great to have someone uh, with your background and expertise and experience uh, on the podcast. So as I said, and I'm going to pose this question uh, to you, uh, Matt. So something that does come up a lot, I guess, uh, both in just conversations we have with clients and in the industry. And, and this is actually a question uh, that was asked uh, to be covered on a podcast um, was how do you create engaging online learning? Um, and I guess the, 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 the first question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, well, what do we mean by engaging? Um, so, what what do you think of it? I guess what do you how do you define engaging uh, in the in the learning context? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question, and I think engaging really really does vary depending on on the individuals and depending on the what it is. But I think one of the key things, and people look at talk about engaging, but I think we probably actually more should be talking about the relevance and mm -hmm. is is it actually filling a gap is it solving a problem for me mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I think if that if that is done if the learning is solving a problem and can clearly show that it's solving a problem then people will be engaged in learning that resources uh, you know I, I look at I look at the um, you know using the university papers and and you know some of those you know scientific articles and, and documents that you look at and they're just walls of text but yet people are engaged in them because there is there is an interest there so I think that's yes. the thing it's it's having that relevance it's having that interest um, and really tapping into that so for me engaging learning is something that that is of interest to the individual um, mm -hmm. that very early on lets people know well what what is this and what is it? What? How does it benefit me? What is that? Yeah. Into that. So. Yeah. yeah. A absolutely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think so. I mean, you know, for me, very, very similar sort of thinking is is engaging. Is I guess how do we create 
a, a learning experience or I guess that context for someone that they buy into and invest in actually um, learning whatever it is we want them to do. And I guess the big one there is is that they engage and learn rather than engage and have fun and all that sort of thing. Because I do feel that very often engaging is watered down and, and essentially tied into fun or enjoyment or factors like that. Obviously, um, learning has to be you know enjoyable and it can't be grueling. Um, but to your point, um, you know, people engage with university papers because they have buy-in, they have a, a motivation to actually connect with that, and so the delivery format isn't you know exactly fun um i've 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 attempted to read some you know proper study papers and gee whiz that takes a while to get through in a few coffees but if it's something that's relevant to me and i'm going to get a benefit out of then i'm more than happy to engage with a format that perhaps isn't all about fun and gamification all that sort of thing so um really really like the definition so uh, well from there um the natural progression uh is obviously to have a look at okay well what does it mean um, or, or rather, how do you create engagement in online learning? Um, and, and this is a good question, I think, because very often people talk about engagement in face-to-face, where it's all about the facilitator, their charisma, their delivery, and all that sort of thing. And, and in online learning, generally speaking, um, you don't have that connection. Um, obviously, if you're talking an online learning module, you don't have a facilitator there generally. But even if you're talking online webinars and all that sort of thing, you lose a bit of that, I guess, personal connection. So... How do you create uh, engagement in online learning, Matt? Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's really about, yeah, letting people know how this is going to solve the problem. And I think part of that engaging is really going back to looking at some of that sort of brain-based study. And and if you look at, you know, the the lizard brain, for example, which controls a lot of the subconscious. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so often people think, okay, all my decisions are conscious decisions, but the reality is they're probably not. Subconscious decisions. And so yep. if you look at lots that, of cognitive biases. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and and the lizard brain is really looking at when it looks at something. It's looking, you know, you're looking at the three Fs. You know, it's the, um, you know, do I need to fear it? Um, you know, can mm-hmm. I can I feed on it? Or 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 the other one is obviously around the fornication piece. Um, <laughs> yep. So so if you then if you then take that into the into the learning context, well, you know, is there a threat? Is there a benefit? Or is there some enjoyment there? Um, mm-hmm. And so if you can tap into 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 one or, or all of those things when you're creating that engaging uh, or when you're creating that online learning, then you are going to tap into the engagement piece for mm-hmm. for the individuals. So you know yeah. things like you know showing them the relevance, having you know high quality visuals in there and stuff like that are all part of that a part of that piece. You know, you mm-hmm. mentioned about gamification and things, and obviously that's part of it. Yes, and, you know, mm-hmm. if you can make it fun, then it's good. Um, but there still needs to be that that connection back to relevance, you know. I've seen, you know, I saw one course a while ago, and it was it was basically read some content, and then you go and do a, you do a game. And that mm-hmm. game was, was throwing tomatoes or hitting a golf ball um, based yep. on how you responded to the questions. Which it wasn't a tomato-related uh, course, was it? No, it was nothing to do with tomatoes or golf. <laughs> so it's like, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm sort of playing this game, but there's, there's a complete disconnect. So, yeah, yeah. so the fun again needs to needs to relate back to that to that content. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I like two two things you sort of called out there. So one is you said um, 
show the relevance. Um, and, and I think for me, you know, that's a big thing is actually showing it rather than telling it. So very often, yes. um, you know, you, you see content that explains why something's relevant and then sort of just dumps information on people, um, hoping that they've bought into the framing up of relevance and now they're going to consume. Um, whereas showing is obviously a lot more powerful. And this is, I guess, where we get into creating activities um, that allow for failure, that allow for our emotive reaction and all that sort of thing to demonstrate to people, hey, th- th- this, is, this is why it's relevant because your decision around this topic or your behavior around this topic has some outward consequence. Um, and the reason it's relevant for you is that outward consequence has an impact on you. So if you do this, then this bad thing will happen to you. Whereas if you do this other thing, this good thing happens to you. Um, but at the same time, you know, tapping into um, people's emotive side. So if you do this thing, this is going to be an outcome for someone else that you may or may not know. And I guess this is something that um, for soft skills training, um, I find is really powerful. So if you have, um, you know, something around how to interact with a customer who's going through, um, say, potential financial hardship and, and you've got training for a financial organization, rather than saying, you know, getting someone to select an option of, hey, what sort of decision would you do? How would you offer things up? How would you respond? And on the back of that, just saying, no, that's incorrect. What you should have said is X. Being able to play out that story is going, okay, here, here was your decision and here's mm-hmm. how this played out in their life. You either yes. made them more anxious about something or because you gave incorrect information, it now means that they're going through more significant financial hardship and, and all that sort of thing. Like, Allowing people to engage with that side of things and that relevance, um, I think, is really, really important. It is. It is, and, and that that outcome, that, that outcome, is a big thing. Yes. Showing people that the results of the outcome, um, and, I, and I suppose very similar to that, a great quote I heard, which was more really around around business, but applies just as equally to to learning design, is that people don't want to buy a drill bit; they want a hole. Yeah. And yep. you know, yep. people people don't buy training courses they don't they don't say hey i'm going to go and you know enroll in this training course because i want a training course they want that you know they want the outcome yes <laughs> you know they they don't yeah. want to just they're not just going to the training course they want an outcome so if they can get that outcome in other means and you look at the the prevalence of of google and youtube as sources of learning mm-hmm. it's because people are going there and they're getting an outcome um, yep. So, so when you're thinking about all well, the engagement piece, it's like, how do I deliver that outcome to those people? Um, yeah, abs- because, yeah, yeah. And that was actually a, a conversation I was having this morning um, with uh, just on LinkedIn around sort of the measures of success for learning that we so often see. Um, and there was a post that sort of listed out, hey, um, and it was from a, 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 I guess, an authoritative figure in the industry. Uh, and it was basically saying, here's how we think measures um, of success look like for learning. And there was three that were about people liking the learning mm-hmm. um, and two that were people, basically people participating in the activity itself. And there was none on the outcome. So to your point, um, you know, if, if someone goes and buys a drill bit, they're, they're not getting the outcome if they want if when they're drilling, like the drilling is the means to an end and mm-hmm. the drill bit is the tool. And we focus so much on the activity and, and almost to the point of, you know, if someone's drilling their hole going, hey, did you enjoy drilling that hole? And if they go, oh, no, it wasn't, then okay, well, how about we put like a game on your drill bit or we kind of make it play tunes? It's like, oh, yeah, that'll be yes. more fun. Yeah. 
ultimately that won't contribute to the outcome of getting the hole done. But it, it is kind of this really weird space where um, we're so focused on the activity itself and, and and not actually looking at, okay, well, what's the purpose of this activity? Um, you know, it, it's the equivalent of buying a vacuum cleaner based on how many bells and whistles it has and it's Bluetooth connected and all that sort of thing rather than on its ability to actually allow it to vacuum the house uh, quickly. Um, so, yeah, very, very... Uh, very interesting. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, and, and 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 I suppose just playing on that that analogy of the, the drill bit in the hole, it's a bit like going to a three day course to learn how to use the drill and and what drill bits are made of, and you know the yeah, different the history, of the drill bit. history of the drill bit and stuff. When in reality, you know what, you can just pick up a hammer and knock a hole, and there you go. There's your hole. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, that's all that you need. Um, so it's it, mm. again that so much of it loses loses focus when when you take your eye off what the outcome should mm. be that's actually a, a really good point there is is i guess you know um that's something that i think also gets missed a little bit in the learning space is really clearly defining of what the goal is to your point uh this drill bit analogy is going to keep going it's going to be great um but but let's say you know you go to a client and they go oh we want a hole in the wall and it's like okay well i can i can kick a hole in the wall um and then you find out, oh, no, actually we want a really precise hole um, just to feed a cable through. And, and I guess very often what we find is that when learning is undertaken, the definition of what the goal is and why it'll be relevant to people and what a successful outcome looks like sort of ends on, we need a hole in the wall. It's like, okay, what kind of hole? What's going to come through this hole? Why do you want a hole in the wall? It doesn't have to be precise. Like all these factors kind of have to make up the rest of the definition of how we measure success, because to your point, if you just want a hole in the wall because you're doing demo work, then great, hammer will do it. Um, if you want a hole in the wall to, let's say, mount a TV on the wall and put all the cables through, if you ask someone to do that for you, when they take a hammer to your wall, you're going to be like, whoa, this is not quite the outcome I was after. So I think that that definition of what the goal is is so important because that will further allow, I guess, the, revel uh, the relevance um, to be shaped and then build the engagement of this is exactly why we're trying to achieve this particular goal instead of this other goal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and, and we're going to, this, you know, this analogy is going to keep playing because the other thing as well is when you're having that conversation and you might go, okay, but hang on, if you have a look over here, you know, uh, 30 centimetres away, there's another hole. Can we run the cables yep. through that? Oh, yes. we could. Yep. Oh, so you actually don't need a hole. There you go, problem solved. <laughs> so, yeah. so when you're looking at the outcome, well, it, again, is learning, or, or is you know, is a, a course the outcome, or is there some other way of doing that? In which case, you can provide that outcome. People get the engagement they need. They get the outcomes that they need. Mm. You know, and yeah, possibly absolutely. yes, the the hole that they thought they needed actually isn't. They don't need that because there's another alternative. Exactly. And I guess that the benefit to engagement there is, is if you cut out all that learning that doesn't need to be learning, then engagement with what is there, because it has to be learned, is going to be much higher because people aren't going to be, I guess, over, over, overwhelmed with the amount of learning that they have to do, because we cut out the unnecessary stuff and we're actually given them really strategic, neat little bits of learning that's actually really practical. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, uh, what about, I guess, and this, we, we sort of touched on this, uh, but do you think um, there's how you define engagement, how you build engagement is really different when you compare, say, online to face-to-face? -face? Or, or would you say, I guess, the fundamentals are the same? And, and like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the fundamentals should be the same. 
one of the things that you know and, and talk to people about face to face and stuff like that and one of the things that they really get out of this you know and you go okay how did you enjoy the face to face apart from yes the food was nice but mm-hmm. one of the things that they, they really enjoy is the fact that they're able to have discussion they're able to get into a social environment and they're able to collaborate and talk and share information um yes you know, and 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 that often is lost when you think about your typical e-learning resource where you're basically the lone man in the desert sitting at your computer going through you know slides and images mm. so when you look at those and compare those two then then well yes the engagement in the face to face is so much better because we are physically engaging with people so mm-hmm. that but if you actually can bring into into that online into that that engagement obviously you can't duplicate the the physical environment but you can still duplicate mm-hmm. the engagement you can still duplicate the collaboration the sharing the communication you know we've yep. got so many tools and i think you know that's been highlighted so well recently obviously with with all the you know the isolation and Yep. and so much stuff going virtually there's some great ways that we can still do that we can still engage but often when people talk about online learning they think about e-learning which yep. equates to text and slides on a screen yeah um, so, and i think you know that the, the the point there is is um really understanding what the delivery mode does well and what it lacks. So to your point, um, the, the thing that people really enjoy in a face-to-face environment is one, you can have discussions, you can have activities with people. Um, and I guess, you know, you've got that direct engagement. Um, and I guess the upside from a facilitator perspective is you can adapt and, and go with the flow of the audience. So it's not rigid. Um, Online learning allows that adaptability um, because, you know, you can create uh, online learning. And this is, I guess, speaking to the context of, of a module in particular, where depending on someone's knowledge levels and which direction they go and their thoughts, you can kind of tailor a pathway through it that is very specific to them, their knowledge level, um, and, and kind of allow them to, to guide that sort of thing. The bit that is quite hard um, is the discussion piece. And, and that's where you start, I guess, thinking about how do you look beyond the event? Um, so for example, one, um, obviously going, hey, we've got this face-to-face training and we want to put it online. Can you convert it? That doesn't really work because there's so many aspects of face-to-face that you can't just cram into an online module. Um, but you can look at replicating some of these benefits. So the learning bit, so I guess the the components where it would be the presenter presenting information, maybe that's what you make up a online module from and into that uh, tying that adaptability. But then behind that, maybe you set up some kind of social forum or you set up a learning solution that says, hey, everyone does this online learning in this week. Then their managers are going to have follow-up conversations with them on the topic. And then maybe there's group conversations. And that starts to bring in all facets of someone's had the learning and they've probably formed some questions. They can probably look into those questions themselves. They can potentially talk about these things with their manager to kind of, you know, further contextualize, evolve their knowledge, and then still bring in that element of discussion. One, face-to-face, two, in webinars, in, you know, um, a lot of organizations have uh, Slack or they have, you know, uh, Workplace. 
just set up these forums where people can have those discussions that would otherwise, I guess, organically happen in a face-to-face session. So all these things happen because for me, that the, the online learning module bit is just a catalyst. Um, it's the thing that sets up, this is why it's important. Here's the key information you need to know. And from here, you should now care about this enough to go off and discover more and evolve and ask questions and find more resources, et cetera. It's not about cramming everything into it. It's about getting people to that point of from here, they should be able to apply what we want them to, but they also should be motivated to extend their learning, go out, find out more, have conversations, you know, have that conversation with their friend. I was going to say at the water cooler, but at the moment, not so much, but you know, have that conversation on Slack of like, Hey, um, what are we doing about this? Uh, you know, we've been kind of processing forms in this particular way and it looks like that's inefficient. How, how can we change things? So looking at what are the benefits of each delivery method and going, which one of these can be taken online and then ultimately going, well, some of these can't. Um, and being able to call that out and say, hey, this is something that needs to happen in a uh, from a leadership perspective or some other method because this isn't strictly a put some learning online and people get something out of it. Yeah, no, that's right. That's it. And I think one of the things that, that I suppose that you said that really resonated with me is the fact about about the event. And um, mm. another another great quote that I love is that it's not about the wedding, but it's about the whole marriage. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you know, and so often that we focus on the one and done event as part of that as part of that learning. Um, and I suppose you could probably take that that. Uh, you know, that quote, that analogy further as well is going, okay, well, you got to think about, you know, if, if the one and done learning event is the wedding, well, think about all the stuff that would have happened beforehand. Where's all the, you know, all the courtship and, and the engagement yeah. piece and all of that before you get to that event to engage yeah. with people. Um, but, yes, then after that event, well, you know, the, especially if it's online, you're not going to achieve the outcome, you know, in 100%. There's still going to be, if the outcome, and the outcome obviously should be something that's performance-related, there's still going to be yep. this need for people to have discussion, to apply their skills, uh, you know, to 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 practice. And so then it's a matter of building after that event what are those mm-hmm. opportunities. And certainly, yes, that social discussion is one of the great ways to do that, to go, hey, yes, okay, now I'm going to go and have a conversation, yeah, through over the virtual water cooler, around yep. <laughs> this is what I've learned, this is what I this is what I'm thinking. Am I on the right yep. path? Am I is my thinking right? Is it wrong? Where where am I at? Um, yeah. I tried some I tried some stuff but it didn't work. Oh hang on. You know, Raf, why didn't this work? Can you you know, have you tried it? What what's your thoughts? You know what Yeah. You know? Um and again yeah. it's it's that that social learning and, and and having that that opportunity to to collaborate. Um, you know I had a I had a, a a lesson I suppose a learning lesson very early on when back when I was a kid and, and first starting to learn to ride and I had my riding instructor was telling me when I'm riding I had to keep my heels down and you know feet in the stirrups. All right, this is this is this is for a, for a motorbike, not a not no, a bicycle. No, 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 this is all, this, <laughs> I'll, I'll see how far back we're going back. <laughs> horse riding, horse riding. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, but it was like that, and it's like keep your heels down, keep your heels down, and and I don't know something in my head. I could not do it. I could not ride and keep my heels down. Yeah. And then my uncle said to me, and he said, "Oh, don't worry about keeping heels down." And I'm saying, "Oh, but their dad was telling me." He said, "No, no, no, just just worry about keeping your toes up." 
I went, yeah, cool, okay, I can do that. And so as soon as you, yeah. put, your toes, you put toes up, your heels go down. Yep. <laughs> and, and and I suppose I relate that back to the to the, the social learning because you can be told something from from an instructor, uh, from from the facilitator, from the expert, whether mm. that be in a virtual or online, it might not click, and it might need another way um, to, to yes. get it to click. And that social learning and that collaboration may actually provide you know you can have a discussion with someone and they say it in a different way yeah same outcome they've just told told that you in a different way told you how to do it in a different way and yeah and you get that outcome so yeah so that encouraging that social learning really really comes in and that's the thing that i think we get so much out of that face-to-face um that yeah that we really need to bring into the into the digital space and I think, you know, the, the thing there is, you know, a lot of people out there will probably go, well, you know, oh, that's really hard and it's going to be a lot of budget and there's a lot of technology involved. And and for me, it's, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Like everyone at the moment has Zoom installed. So just mm-hmm. have a have a Zoom conversation with a colleague who seems to be getting it and just have that conversation there. It, it, it doesn't have to be this big budget, complex, integrated solution. Um, you know, for me... If, if I'm talking to someone and they've got Zoom, great. If they don't, Hangouts. If they don't have that, Facebook has a video call function. Like there's, there's so many ways of, I guess, achieving the outcome that doesn't have to be this, how do we do this as a big bulky, you know, uh, let's set this up as a as a big budget project and integrate it. Sometimes a simple option is is the way to go. So long as it's called out of the solution level and, and that prompt actually happens. So let's say you're creating a piece of learning and the idea is that, hey, everyone completes the online component in week one. As part of setting that up in week two or three, set up like two or three meeting blockers in people's diaries that say, hey, um, you know, group collective to talk about this topic. So it actually just triggers people to actually do that follow-up act. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Uh, one of the big things that I, I kind of find is this sort of digressing a little bit, but people don't think about the friction points. Um, and this is something that usually happens with systems training is there's this, this point of, here's a system, people need to learn about the system. Generally speaking, systems training is, is never particularly engaging. So let's not worry about trying to make it engaging. Let's make it good at the point of need and give it to people mm-hmm. at the right time. And there's always this point around, how do we get these resources to people? Okay, well, they got to go to this website and they do this. Maybe we implement it into the system. Oh, that's going to take a lot of resources. And I'm just sitting there going, hey, as part of the, 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 like the induction or the face-to-face trade or, or whatever it is, just tell people to bookmark where the resources are. Mm-hmm. Because finding where they are is a friction point. Take away that friction point, they're more likely to actually access it. Um, and again... They can be simple resources because the engagement bit, the relevance is going to be there. I'm trying to achieve this thing in this system and I don't know how. So now I want to engage with something that will help me achieve this outcome. doesn't have to be gamified. doesn't have to be whiz-bang videos. just has to be something that I jump in there and I go, oh, cool. That's how I have to complete this transaction in the system. Bang, 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 done, move on. Um, so so I guess that's another thing. A lot of there's, there's a lot of, I guess, assumption around, hey, in order to have engagement, it has to be big, whiz-bang, big budget and all that sort of thing. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, that, yeah, if you can keep it simple and just and just deliver content in a, in, in a number of ways, it doesn't have to be complex or high budget. I think we, mm. we overcomplicate it because what actually happens is people go, right, well, I'm spending money on this. So I now need to know that people are actually using this, this online course. So I need to... 
you know, but, but so many times I've had conversations and people have gone, okay, yes, well, we need to know that people are doing it. We need to track that they're doing it. Then we need to track this and track that. Um, and the thinking's all wrong. It doesn't matter what what they do. Don't worry about how they learn. You should be tracking the outcome. You know, yes. Has, yeah. has, okay, we want to deliver training to our salespeople. Okay, great. Then let's deliver training or learn, you know, provide learning opportunities to our salespeople. Don't worry yeah. about how you, don't worry about tracking that. You know, if that learning happens because the sales guys would get on a Zoom call and share their experiences and they solve the problem and then sales increase by 20%, mm. well, is that a bad thing because you haven't tracked it? Um, yeah. Probably not, you know. But but I think we complicate things because people go, okay, well, hang on. Yes, well, if you're going to do this, well, we need to actually track it. We need to we need to know that people are doing this. Um, yeah. And it's like, no, and it, it, no, no, you just need to know that they're actually getting the outcomes that we need. Um, and if you forget about all of that tracking stuff and just go, we just want to see that the outcomes are happening, that can make it so, so much easier and so simple. Yeah. And on, I guess, that, that point, uh, that really neatly brings me to, to the next question I, I wanted to discuss is how do you measure successful engagement? Um, because ultimately, at the end of all this, we have to be able to, you know, be able to provide evidence that, yes, this, this learning was a success. Therefore, the engagement was a success. So how, what are your thoughts on, on how it should be measured and, and any sort of tips you can give? Well, I think, I think it comes back to, yeah, is the outcome being achieved? And that's, that's, that's the simple measure. Um, you know, look at, look at whatever the problem is, is the problem solved? Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I don't know whether, you know, you can obviously put a measure on, on the actual engagement of the, of the learning per se. So, you know, whether mm -hmm. people yes. like it or don't like it. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, you really need to look at, yeah, the outcome and is the outcome solved? Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I sort of advocate, um, you know, Will Talheim has put together his, his LTEM model, which is around the yes. learning transfer evaluation model. And it's That's an awesome model. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Recommend eight, looking eight that up. Yeah. yeah, eight different levels. And down the bottom, it's like, yeah, did people like the training and stuff like that? But hmm. the reality is that's not actually going to, 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 to solve the outcomes, you know. So I think hmm. that, that the measures need to be part of that part of that outcome-based thing. And yeah. I think that's where... And the other, the, the other thing there is, I guess, you know, liking is subjective. Mm. So, uh, and this kind of goes back to the, to the learning styles myth um, mm. where a lot of people kind of bought into that because it, on a very high level, it made sense. Hey, I prefer reading. I prefer watching. I prefer this. Preference, that, that's fine. Um, but the follow-up studies around that showed that, okay, so we had a group of people and they all prefer different things, but they all achieve the same learning outcome completing it in one format so there's that to, to that point that the liking is at the very bottom because one it's subjective so unless you're planning on delivering it in every modality in every format in every kind of method possible it's implausible but but two if someone liked it or not i think is information you can take on board on how to improve the learning experience mm -hmm. whereas if business outcomes are not being hit you need to look at fixing it. So, and I think there's a difference between trying to fix the learning so it actually delivers the business outcomes versus improving it so more people like it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And and I think also as well when you look at those like what those outcomes are, you can look at uh, you know the the different ways of 
you know, of obviously, you know, giving people an opportunity to actually apply their skills. You know, a, yes. a great example I saw a number of years ago um, was when the when the, the Anti Money Laundering Act came out. At the time, I was working as a training manager for a, for a financial institution, and we were rolling out, um, had to roll out the compliance trains. And I and I started doing some research, and I came across a couple of a couple of um, examples and and. Uh, and a research paper around and one of the examples was your typical compliance training this is what the act says this is what you need to do blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. the other one was um and i don't know how they got this across the board with the with the the, the powers of be but the other one was an online resource where the um the learners could were put into into different avatars. They they create different avatars, and one of those was a uh, was a Swedish banker. Um, the yeah. other one was an accountant working for a Mexican importing company. Not sure what they were importing, but anyway. Yep. Um, and it taught the staff how to launder money. All right. Yep. So the the end result was six months after the training had been rolled out, the organisation had a thirty percent increase in reported fraudulent transactions because the staff had an understanding of how la- how to launder. And, and they yep. look at that and go, oh, okay, this guy's doing this transaction. Oh, I'd be doing that if I was trying to launder money. Oh, red flag. Yep. As yep. opposed to the compliance. The other compliance people are just saying, oh, when you see a red flag, you need to report it. But yeah. it really didn't. It really didn't bring people to that, uh, you know, to, to to actually understanding what a red flag is and, and all of that. So again, there was a there was a focus around around what the outcome is. And and for those for that one organisation, the outcome was we want to see people. We want to have a higher, you know, higher level of, of reported trans- or, or, or a reduction in fraudulent transactions. Well, how do we do mm-hmm. that? We need to teach our people what a fraudulent transaction looks like. How do we yes. do that? Well, we need to teach them how to launder money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that that really neatly goes to your point as well about um, you know w- with the horse riding around heels down versus toes up. You know, yeah. showing people how to notice red flags and all that sort of thing is you know keep your heels down, and then showing people how to launder so mm. they know then how to apply that critically and, and mm. identify these instances is, is toes up. Ultimately, I guess you know similar messaging, but just what clicks. Yeah. Um, and, and I can also imagine that, you know, um, the, the later one where, where you, you're finding out how to launder would also be more interesting and, and just more engaging because it would be a unique perspective yeah. um, and you'd be able to build out a lot more emotive and, and kind of challenge in that. So that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then obviously it would have brought in some fun as well because obviously it, mm. would, it would be the, the fun, okay, well, how much money can I launder? You know, a bit of competition yep. and a bit of, bit of fun in it. Um, so, yeah, so so the fun can be brought into the learning, but I think it was that the, the focus was more around, okay, the outcome, and I think the fun piece was was secondary to that. Yes. As opposed to, hey, let's create something fun. Yep. And, 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 then, we'll, and then we'll try and tie that into the outcome. Yeah. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely, and I guess the, the other the other point I'd like to sort of call out on on the uh, measure of success is the success of learning initiatives and measuring that isn't just the sole responsibility of the L and D team or the L and D developer or whoever it is. It, it should be a co um, a, a co accountability with whatever part of the business has been rolled out for. Very often, there's this sort of expectation that 
the learning team will create the learning and monitor the learning and deliver the outcomes and kind of report back into the business and the business is kind of disconnected from it. And, and for me, actually, the business is, is I guess, the, the component that should be doing most of the reporting because they have, they're, they're already day-to-day measuring the metrics um, that should show if there's been a change in behavior. You know, the L&D team aren't measuring sales targets um, week to week, month to month, year to year. The salespeople are and the sales department is. So why kind of artificially try and create these measures of success and I guess measures of if something has been engaging, whereas you can just tap into existing metrics and go, well, what we're looking for is we're looking for an upward trend and we're aiming for about 30%. Well, let, let's see how we go with that. Um, and if we see an upward trend of 10%, okay, we've made an impact, not as high as we wanted. How can we improve? If we see an upward trend of 40%, great, we've, we've done really well. Why, why, why was it so successful? And at that point, that's where you can kind of tie in the user feedback and, and understand why that success was as successful as it was. Um, and you can also reflect back on, okay, well, was there stuff that was irrelevant or was there stuff that was missed and, and kind of fine tune the solution. Um, so over time, you can evolve it to be more and more engaging and more and more successful. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and I think and I think when you're talking about measuring, you know, successful engagement in learning, yeah, again, you know, you can measure and you might say, okay, cool, we've rolled out this learning initiative and it's been, you know, it's been given, you know, an A plus or an eight or nine out of ten by by all learners, you know. So ooh, yeah. ooh, that's great. You've got high levels of engagement. It's really cool. Um, and and you know and staying with the sales you know stuff oh, okay and sales mm-hmm. figures have gone up one percent okay yep right there's there's an issue here <laughs> okay. yeah people, people loved people it but they're not doing what yeah <laughs> that's it yeah it's like woohoo they're having fun with the course and they're doing stuff but hang on a minute is it actually are they learning are they then taking that learning and implementing it no so mm. so you can have a course that is yes high level you know high level of, of engagement can be fun yep. and, and have all the bells and whistles and people love it and think it's really cool and uh, you know but yeah it, it's, it's that actually it's that happening you know um, I suppose you know if you look at um, um, you know obviously you're a Victorian dumb ways to die um, yep yep <laughs> yeah the, the whole the whole song and stuff like that it was really cool and you know it, it went viral um, yep. but did did the incidences of, um, you know, of accidents on train tracks drop significantly based on that? Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. some of the some of the readings that I've seen, I haven't looked at the data lately, but some of the early stuff I've seen was that it didn't have an impact or didn't have a huge impact compared to how viral the videos went. Yep. So, so yeah, so it was successful as a as a as a marketing campaign, but it wasn't mm-hmm. successful in terms of the outcomes. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so that as a learning piece, yes, high high levels of engagement. You know, videos went viral and people were singing the songs and all that yep. sort of stuff. But yeah, did did the outcomes did the outcomes correlate? Probably not. Um, so yeah, so I think the engagement really just again comes back to the outcomes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, we're, we're coming towards the end. So my last, my last question to you would be, um, what is your number one tip um, that you would give someone who, who I guess asked the question of how do I create engaging learning? 
Um, I suppose that, uh, we've probably been talking about this for today. Is, is look at the outcome. What is the outcome you want yep. people to achieve? And and then looking at how we can actually put people into a situation that is as close to um, possible that they that, uh, that, that, that the skills and knowledge that they're going to do as part of that learning experience match mm -hmm. to the real life as close to possible as close as possible. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's yep. the, that's that that thing. From there, so once you've got that worked out, work out okay your outcomes, right? What is it that people are doing, and then from there you can create create that experience and make sure that that's engaging for them. So yep. that's the for me, great tip. You know, yeah. And, and uh, so my my one would kind of be obviously on top of that. So obviously you know that that thorough analysis of of, of the goal and mapping from there. My tip that I guess would complement that was engage the audience who the training or the learning is for um, because they will give you those insights of how things work day to day, why things aren't working, what what works for them timing wise, like really engage them and, and have them really clearly defined as a stakeholder group that actually has quite a lot of input into the learning solution. Um, because too often it's it's all about what the L&D manager wants or what the manager wants. When we're talking about training for people who are, I guess, frontliners, yes, they the, the, the senior levels can define what is the goal um, and then they can give their perspective on why that goal is currently not happening. But to get that engagement and to get that real effectiveness, talk to the people that actually have to apply the learning and understand how to cater that learning to their needs and how to make it relatable to them. Oh, that's, yeah, and that's that's a huge tip. And, and I think as well um, that as part of that, you may actually identify other issues. And, and I, yes. I can come back to, to another situation when I was working as a training manager for, for this finance company that rolled out a new system um, and there was a loan processing system they had the old system running in parallel for a number of weeks, um, mm -hmm. and but they were still using. They still had the the, the, the idea was that they were using the main system, uh, the new system. Anyway, the, uh, the the head of the organisation came down to me one day. They're not using the new system. Da da da. Go and retrain them on how to use the new system. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not using it properly. Okay, so went right. So let's go and have a chat to some people. So I went and had a chat with some people, and the reason why they weren't using the new system was because that there was a, an issue in it that was causing um, longer than, than normal um, processing times. Yes. So they've got they've got their, their their head of loan processing on their back. They've got the salespeople on their back saying we need these loans processed quickly so we can give our our clients. Um, you know, a, a positive response. Yes. They've then got the, you know, they've also got the, the, the um, owner saying you need to use this system, mm. but the system is, is con in conflict with the other outcomes that they need. So they go, right, well, let's step out of the system. Let's do it quickly here so that we can achieve the, the, the KPIs that we've got set. Of um, course. And, and so by going back and actually having that conversation, we went, okay, well, this was the perception, but the reality is not that they don't know how to use the system. The reality is that they're not using the system because there's an issue with it. Um, yeah. And, and, and 
if I had not have gone had a conversation with those end users, would not have found that out. And mm -hmm. yes, we would have rolled out, you know, learning and would not have solved the issue in any way. So sometimes yeah. yes, having that conversation, you actually might identify that yes, that that what um, you know, what the potential outcome should be or, or the, the problem what that is may actually not necessarily be what they what the problem really is. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that, that that's absolutely right you know having those conversations it, it just kind of allows you to make sure that you're not trying to solve a uh, an issue of learning that is you know counterintuitive to what people are trying to achieve so yeah absolutely those conversations are super important um, matt um matt it, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast i hope you've enjoyed your time uh on on the podcast uh, and and you'll you'll be willing to return in future um but from here, uh, for everyone who's listening, uh, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, you picked up a few tips from this podcast that you can start applying. Um, and as always, um, if you have any questions or any feedback, please do connect with us. Um, because one, uh, you may have questions that we can come back to and address in further detail for you. Um, if you don't like the podcast at all, share that with us so we can learn how to improve it. Um, and ultimately as well, if you have any topics you'd like for us to cover in future podcasts, let us know as well, and we can definitely put those on the agenda. But uh, for now, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Um, thank you. Have a great uh, day, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Click next to continue.